Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast number eight, Fresh Bread, where we bring the truth of God's Word to a starving world. And today we're going to take just a little bit of breather from our eschatology podcast. We're going to keep going in those. We went through post-mill. We're going to jump into ah-mill next time. But we just wanted to get together and talk a little bit about what happened in Nashville at the uh, Covenant School there. Covenant Presbyterian Church has a school called the Covenant School in Nashville, and there was a shooting there where six people were killed. And so we just wanted to get together and talk a little bit about that with Pastor Brandon. I'm Pastor Keith, and we're going to just discuss that, shed some light on that from Scripture. And this isn't this kind of fits in with what we're talking about with eschatology, doesn't it, Pastor Brandon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you and I were talking prior to the recording, and and you know, I was saying, and I and that in terms of your outlook, I mean, if you're post mill, you you have this idea that or belief that the world is, or we're we're in the world, we're Christianizing the world, the world is ultimately getting better uh, through the the influence of Christians. And as a pre-mill, as pre-mill guys would say that, you know, that things are going from bad to worse. And there's this degradation of society, degradation of culture that will ultimately lead to a remnant that the Lord will save at the very end. And so, you know, in terms of how you view this, I mean, I think that it really changes how you view situation like this? Well, I'm going to ask the the main question. I think even if, you know, people may be listening to this who maybe have, you know, stumbled upon fresh bread for the first time, and they're trying to figure out who these guys are, but we, we you know, we're looking at it from a biblical worldview. I'm just going to ask you the question right up front. Why does God allow things like this to happen? Well, I think that's the, really the problem of evil. Uh, why Why does God... Why does God allow evil in the world? And I, I think we have to ultimately say because it brings, in some way, it brings Him glory. And, I mean, that's a difficult thing to say and a difficult thing to even understand, how, how a evil can bring Him glory. But I think that ultimately what we're going to find is is that, you know, that well, an analogy might be when you study a, a diamond, um, you study it, and, and you look at it on a black backdrop, you know, so that you know, so that that really the the beauty of that diamond really pops or or comes out, and you know we will see the Lord in light of you know what's happened, you know, in in terms of how we've you know the the evil that we've experienced, and I think that we will ultimately glorify Him when. Um, in in the time when that when he when he returns and when all things are have come to consummation, we'll look back and we'll see what he's done and we'll see it in in that light uh, that light and he will be even more glorified because of it. Right. It makes me think of it, the fall that led to you know the world becoming not a paradise anymore, not perfect. So there is evil in the world, but it makes me think of Ephesians. Chapter 6 and verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against darkness, against the authorities, against the world focus of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I think we see that played out a lot in our world. So should we get down to what happened? Or do you want to say something else? Well, I just wanted to say one other thing about about that is that, I mean, I think that ultimately we're going to see throughout history, we're going to end up 
at a place where mankind has to say that it is only by God's plan that we can survive, that we can live. And I think that's, you know, ultimately, you know, you think about the garden, you think about the fall, I think it was a grace that God drove Adam out of the garden because he would have lived forever in that condition. And so God drove him out of the garden so that he could experience evil, so they could live that way, but there's still the opportunity for God to redeem man uh, because if he would have eaten from the tree of life, he would have lived forever in that condition. And, and I think that's God's grace. And I think at the end, in, you know, when we get to Revelation 22, no matter what your eschatology is, we all agree that the end is going to be you know, the full consummation of things. I think at the end, we're going to really see and ultimately understand who God is in light of all that he's done. I think that's a good way of looking at it is, yeah, God is actually, it, it shows us how we live without him. And it's not very pleasant. And when we take God out of the equation and you try, and man tries to live under himself, it is a mess. And, and you know, we look at our world today. Well, and that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we get into, we haven't really even hit, you know, what's happened at the Covenant School in Nashville. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, Romans 1, you know, that, you know, the wrath of God is, is revealed against all, all ungodliness. And, you know, that some people, and yes, I mean, the wrath of God is, you know, the pouring out of wrath. But I believe the process is, is God removing his favor. And I think that that's what we're seeing in our society. I don't think whether, you know, no matter what your view of eschatology is, I think you have to understand that in America today, in this particular culture, and you might even say in the Western culture, because, I mean, obviously Canada and Europe are not far removed from us. I mean, I think we're running hard to see who's going to be ahead of one another in terms of our depravity. And and you see God removing that restraint, and things are going from bad to worse. Now, uh, you know, it, again, we've really, because of the whole eschatology discussion, it, it, it's been in my mind, but, you know, if you're a, if you're a pre-mill guy, you're saying things are going from bad to worse. If you're a post-mill guy, you're saying, well, this is a regression, and that ultimately God is going to overcome through the church, and, you know, we're going to keep moving forward. But either way, you have to look at this culture and see that God is removing his, his restraint on evil and that that blessing is not there. And that's going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to feel God's wrath because of it. So let's, let's, let's look at uh, specifically what happened in Nashville. We have this woman transitioning to a man, 28 years old, went to this Christian school when they were younger and then came back and did this, what happened on Monday. And so, as the world looks at this, they tend to say, well, this Christian school is to blame for what happened, because they did not support and accept what was going on. If we look at the parents, the parents went to this church, this Covenant Presbyterian Church, and so they would not affirm this girl who wanted to transition to a man, they loved her, they let her live in the home, but they didn't affirm it. And so that was another factor that they say led to this, this transgender movement. How do, as Christians, how do we respond to that? Well, I think we have no other choice but to respond with God's Word, 
that Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that God made man in his image and in his image, he made him, but he made him male and female. And, and so we understand that there is male and there is female and he made us different. He made us the same. I mean, we're, you know, both male and female are made in God's image. We're the same in that way. And, and we're joint heirs or equal heirs in that sense. But in another sense, economically, if you will, or practically, he's made us different. We have different roles. And, and a man can't become a woman, and a woman can't become a man. And so, therefore, we have to you know, understand that that is, the respo- that is the only response that we can have to a culture in terms of what people are, you know, what is being taught. So whether it's a, an, a church that's teaching these things or whether it is, um, or whether it's, you know, the scientific community that's, or the medical community that, or you know, college professors that are teaching these things, our response to those things has to be the Word of God and what the Word of God says, and we have to point at what is right and good, and we see that in, you know, in nature even. I mean, we, you know, if you look at nature, we see predominantly what we see is, is we see male and female in, you know, in the animal kingdom. And, and you know, we see that. We see that order in the, in the animal kingdom. And so even when I look at creation, I see the hand of God in that. But then when I look at the Word, it's clear that He made us male and female, and therefore we need to make sure that we're preaching the truth. Now, I, I think you know, a deeper question would be how do we respond to someone like Audrey Hale, the, the young lady who did this? You know, how do we respond to that young lady if we find her in our churches or in our schools or in our families? That's the deeper mm. question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, obviously, I mean, we have to preach the truth, but the question is how do we respond in love to someone who's going through that struggle or that sin struggle. And I'm not, I don't want to say it in terms of a struggle as in it's just a struggle. I mean, it is sin. I mean, to, to live a life that is really a lie to say, or to think that I can, can become a man or I can become a woman if I'm not those things, if I haven't been made those things by God, you know, I think you said earlier before we started recording, you said that, you know, you're going to live eternity as what you, what God made you. I mean, you're going to, if you're made a man, you're going to live as a man. If you made, if you were made a woman, you're going to live as a woman. I mean, you're, I mean, male and female, God made us that way. And it's the, it really is the essence of who we are. And so at the end of the day, though, we still have to deal with, we have to think through how to respond to those who are struggling with that sin. I'm going to ask you this question. Can God make a mistake? Can, can he make someone a male that should have been a female? No. He intended, if he made you male, he intended to make you male. If he made you female, he intended to make you female. And some people would say, well, what about um, those who have, um, you know, the, the other genitalia, if you will? You know, that's the big, the big thing. And, and there can be genetic mutations where a male or a female would have you know, maybe even both um, facilities, if you will. Mm-hmm. But 
that does not, I mean, in terms of at the chromosome level, I, I think that he makes us male, he makes us female. And, you know, to point at that as being, you know, well now, I mean, to point at that as being the reason why we can accept these things would be ludicrous because, because I, it, it, number one, it's a very, very small portion, very, very small fraction of the population who would be in those, that, those types of positions. But even in those situations, uh, they, they would, if you go it to the, to the level of testing, you would find that, uh, that they're male or female, that, that God didn't make a mistake in terms of how he made them. It's, you know, genetic error is not the same thing. As, as a church, as Grace Bible Church, what, how do we respond to this? If, if someone in our church or someone came to our church with this, how, how would we respond to this? Well, I think we, first and foremost, we, we respond in love, graciously. But I think that that does not mean, you know, that we don't give them the truth. We had this, you know, this discussion, you know, the, this love and truth, you know, that, that you know, John 1, Christ was full of grace and truth. Um, you know, that, that God is full of, he's, he's a, a loving God, but he's also a God of truth. And it is, I think it would be unloving not to give them the truth and to say, oh, well, we accept you the way you are. Well, if, the, if, if what we mean there is the way you are as in how God made you, yes. But if it means in how they want to project themselves as male or female when they weren't made in that way, then the answer is no, we can't accept that. And that we have to tell them the truth. And if they are going to express themselves in that way, that, that they are doing so and they're shaking their fist at God who made them. Yeah, I agree. I think of Romans 5.10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So I think we all come, come at it as enemies of God before we're saved, and there is that worldview that tells people that you can be whatever you want. You don't have to be. It is like you said, shaking your fist at God. I don't. I don't have to be. What, I don't have to do this. I can be whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm the captain of my own destiny. Right. Yeah, I can, I can do what I want to do and live how I want to live, and there's no repercussions to that. And yet, that's not what the truth is. The truth says I have to. I have to live according to what God says. And, and ultimately, you ask, how do we respond to them? I said in love, but with the truth. But I think ultimately it has to be with the gospel. You know, that, I mean, that's the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is that Christ died for the sin of mankind and that everyone who believes can have eternal life and everyone who believes can be, can, can be sanctified and, and can understand the truth. We've had people come to our church who have been in you know different lifestyles and and we have preached the gospel to them and you know we've not shrunk back from the truth and we've seen people repent and turn to the lord and so i think that that's what we have to do if someone came who was in a in a position of of transitioning uh, if you will trying to trying to become what they're not I think we would we would need to preach the gospel to them and tell them the truth. 
and preach the preach the truth of, of God's word to them. And I don't understand why sometimes people expect to come into a church and then change the church when the church is there to change us. Like we're we're there to become more like Christ, less like ourselves. Sure. And and I think that as time goes on, we're going to face this more and more. You know, that that it what happened at the Covenant School is, you know, obviously worst case scenario where you have this situation uh, where now you have a situation where this person is coming back, has come back now and, and created this havoc and has murdered six souls. And yet, you know, we, that's certainly hopefully the exception, but I think we're, we're going to see that more and more as God removes his restraint from this culture. I mean, it, it doesn't take much, it doesn't take much of a, professor, if you will. It doesn't take a, a, a brain surgeon is probably what I'm getting or a rocket scientist to figure out that things have definitely gotten worse. And, you know, if you think about even over our lifetimes, I was, uh, you know, grew up in the seventies. I'm a seventies kid. And, and yeah, I mean, that things are just completely different from even the seventies. And, and you would have to say, I mean, someone who, who is older than me, you know, that maybe is, uh, you know, 80 years old now, it's another 30 years on me, would have would see it even more because, you know, you start from the 50s and you have World War II, then you go into the 50s and, you know, the family unit was still pretty well intact, at least, at least from what, you know, you can tell. And obviously there was problems, but, but now, I mean, that family unit has been just completely ripped. Um, it's, it's not, no longer, it's almost, it's al- almost, Almost no family is unaffected by it, you know, in terms of the culture and what's happening in the culture. And almost no church is unaffected by these things. And, and we see here with, you know, the Covenant School, the Covenant School here in Nashville, we see, you know, obviously what, what seems like a worst-case scenario, um, you know, that, that happened. And you mentioned Romans 1, that when God says, I give them over, a reprobate mind. Mm. I think we're there when people don't know, if they can't identify what a male or female is. I think, I think we're getting pretty close. I mean, that... I think we're getting pretty close where... I mean, here's what's interesting, is they know what male and female is, but they're, they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. I mean, they know. I mean, they know. I mean, the, you know, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness is that what they know about God... They, they're denying it and that, you know, God has made this world in such a way that it, you, you have to look at it and see the order and that he made it in. And you have to see, again, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, you look across the animal kingdom and you see male and female. I mean, you see that. I mean, it's clear I, it, that there's no denying it. And yet they are, they are denying it. And the way they deny it is they suppress the truth. They're literally pushing down the truth so that, so that they don't have to deal with it. But it doesn't make it untrue. It doesn't make it, it, it... They don't change things when they do that. So my heart... There's a couple of things that I'd like for us to discuss as we think through this. I don't, I don't know where you want to go with this, Keith, but there are a couple of things I would like to discuss. And one would be you know, the, the situation, you know, and how her situation, even Audrey Hale, who's, who did this and how, how she got to that point and what happened there. And 
I'd also, you know, really like to discuss the response that we're seeing, and especially from the news media and how we as Christians ought to respond to that. Yeah, that's what I was going to go is dive a little deeper in what happened. We've kind of sketched out what's going on on the outskirts, but as we zero in on more on what happened here in Nashville. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard to know for sure at this point because my understanding is she wrote a manifesto. And, and I think when that manifesto comes out, I think we're going to see, you know, and understand more about what, you know, where her um, heart was. I think, it, you know, we're going to see more. But I think even what we know today, you know, that she was, she grew up, as you, you mentioned, she grew up and went to the school, uh, I think, at her, you know, from a Christian home. Um, and still living, I mean, she's 28, and she was still living at home. Um, and so, you know, that she was in a position where uh, she had, uh, I, I, my understanding is, is that several, there, some time ago, it was, I don't, I don't remember exactly how long ago, she lost a, a girlfriend. Hmm. And I characterize her as a girlfriend. I'm not sure there was a real, like a, a romantic relationship but I do know uh, between the two, but I do know that she had set her heart on this person, or at least that's what it seems like. And this, uh, this young lady had passed away in a car accident. Um, and so uh, she had made, over the past several months, she has made many, many references to this young lady. Um, and so something changed with her you know, with that situation in terms of, and I think that was even from what I can gather, I don't want to speak out of turn, but my research would show, or what I've seen in, in researching it, uh, was that she, she began to transition at that point, that she made, began to act out more uh, publicly in terms of this uh, desire to transition. Uh, evidently, evidently, for whatever reason, uh, she became more militant in that as well, um, obviously up to leading up to the situation in the school. Uh, you know, just a just a incredibly sad, incredibly sad situation. Um, I, it's it's hard to imagine what would bring someone to in her position, what would bring her to to this point. Uh, but you know, you can't miss the influence of the culture, uh, the social media influence. I think um, there was a mention in one of the articles I read that she had become very interested in a Instagram influencer who had transitioned. And that's a big problem, you know, that, that we see is that these influencers who are, you know, that are, that are glorifying these types of lifestyles. And, and so she had become you know, interested in that type of uh, situation. And so just a lot of different things going into this that, that put her in that position. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. And I think in schools and, and counselors and all these things are saying, yeah, you can be what you want to be. If you're not comfortable being a boy, you can be a girl. If you're not comfortable being a girl, you can be a boy. So, well, I think you have to understand it's a spiral. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's a spiral that, that happens in, you know, in terms of the depravity, whereas, you know, they start out maybe with, you know, thoughts and you know, things that, that are there and, 
you know, they explore those thoughts. I mean, in terms of, you know, the, the, we're talking about the sinful uh, flesh. They're, they explore those thoughts. And, and, you know, if there's no restraint in terms of, in terms of what's going on around them, if there's no, nothing restraining them, then that spiral can only go, grow more and more. And so we see that, I mean, we mentioned Romans 1, we see that, you know, in terms of a society, we see that spiral, you know, that spiral downward in terms of society. But, but I think you can trace that in, in the individual as well. And you see that in, in this young lady's life. I mean, from what we can tell, and, you know, obviously we don't know her, but from what we can tell, you know, based on what we do know, um, that there was a spiral and, and that restraint you know, there's just there's very little restraint, and it seems like maybe her parents just didn't have, they didn't have the ability for whatever reason to to overcome what was going on in in the world, to to overcome the influences that she was seeing in the world, and so therefore, she continued on this spiral. And when the young lady that died in the car accident, when that happened, it seems like that potentially she um, that that just something broke something. Mm-hmm. Something profound changed in her, and and it created the situation where ultimately she's, you know, inside a school, hunting down, you know, people to to shoot. You need to affirm me, and if you don't affirm me, we're going to take you out. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a backlash against really against conservative Christianity. It's a, you know, if you think just listen, there's some. I have some quotes here, some comments on social media that, you know, in response to this, uh, one response or one tweet says, I don't condone Audrey Hale's actions, though I understand their outrage, their outrage against an intolerant state that brainwashes children through religious indoctrination, end mm-hmm. quote. Another one says, the reality is this human still identified as that child attending that school and carried that pain into adulthood, end quote. So the obvious inference there is that, that whatever happened at that school where they told her that she couldn't be who she wanted to be, that she couldn't be a male or she couldn't do what she wanted to do in terms of her sin, that it was their fault for telling her the truth. And so she carried that pain into her adulthood, which is why she ultimately did what she did. And that's exactly what you're saying is, again, this backlash against, you know, conservative Christian truth. Another tweeted, you know, very surprising that there would be a mass shooting at a Christian school given the lack of prayer is that lack of prayer is often blamed for these horrible events. So, so again, it's twisting, you know, because you know, people say that we need more prayer in school, and here we are at a Christian school, and something horrible like this happens. And it's a twisted way to think of things. Uh, another says, "Is it possible they were pray- that they weren't praying enough or correctly, despite being a Christian school?" End quote. And it's just uh, an, another one said, "Dead and maimed children equals thoughts and prayers." Um, you know that it's interesting that. Um, it's also the L.A. Times has tied this to some recent Tennessee legislation that banned uh, gender-affirming care for transgender youth and barred what drag queens and other male or female impersonators from performing anywhere near children. So the Tennessee legislature 
you know, banned this. And so they're saying that this is, you know, the backlash against that. Uh, so they, they called it, you know, this is the LA times called it a growing culture war over LGBTQ rights. And so it's just amazing. It, one man tweeted, the thing is, if we gave an assault rifle to every drag queen, the GOP would make Story Hour a national holiday. And Newsweek, Newsweek declared drag shows and gender-affirming care for minors were banned in Tennessee this month while assault, assault weapons remain legal. So, I mean, we see, I mean, again, this twisted way of looking at things and instead of blaming and understanding it to be the depravity of, of man that's put us in this position, now it's because of legislation. It's because we, uh, we, have, we don't have gun control, and we need gun control because that's the problem. But, you know, that's not the problem. The problem ultimately is that people to understand and know the truth. Are we responsible for our own behavior, or, or is it, is it the gun's fault, or is and is it the church fault with what happened in Nashville? Well, I mean, clearly it's, it's you know, Audrey Hale did what she did because she was in sin. I mean, and that's as much as I want to, you know, I, I, you, you want to love her and, you know, and try to understand and, and help people in that position, you can't say that it's, you know, the gun gun's fault. You can't say that it's uh, legislation, that, you know, that the legislation's the problem. And, and you certainly can't say that, you know, a, a church or a school that, that preaches and teaches the truth is the, is the problem. You know, that somehow that has, you know, kept her from being who she wants to be. Therefore, she's now, it, it makes sense that she did what she did. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And, and it is, it isn't, the fault of those things. It's, it's her sin. The pride of us humans that we don't want to take responsibilities. It has to be someone else. It can't be me. I, I'm not wrong. It has to be, it was you that made me do this. It was life that made me do it. Well, and I think that's the, that's been the message of psychology for, you know, years and decades. But if young kids can understand how amazing God is and how he creates everybody unique. There is nobody like you. There's nobody like me. There'll be nobody like any anybody who's created. You're one of a kind and and you're special in you know in that way as far as because you're created in the image of God. And if you just start with that basic <laughs> Well yeah, I mean if we start with the fact that God created that God created the world and it, that he created the world and he created each individual person in the world and that he created each person with his image. And I mean, that makes them, that makes them important to him in the sense of, uh, now, you know, it's interesting because everybody wants to be important, but in reality, if we understand ourselves in light of who God is, we come to realize being made in the image of God, we are important. And that we are, as you say, we are unique. And, you know, there's no one else that's made like, you know, me or, or you. And, and so, and God knows you and he knows every hair on your head. And, and we, we, he is definitely, I mean, that is definitely what we have to try to teach people 
is and especially the young people in our churches and and those who we come in contact with is that that God is and God has created them and that as such that they can be who God has created them to be we're getting with our evolutionary an evolutionary understanding I don't know you know applying this to Audrey Hale I'm not sure what I mean obviously she went to the Christian school there and I assume that they that they teach uh, creation. I, I'm not. I don't know that for sure. But I, just making that assumption. But somewhere along the lines, somewhere along the lines, it seems that she's come to the point where she doesn't think that that people matter. And and somewhere along, and that's that's exactly what happens with evolution. Is that we're just a, a walking you know bag of water, and we don't. There's nothing once we die, and you know we we dry out and go back to the dust that it's as if we didn't exist ever. I mean, that's just a horrible, horrible way to look at life. And, you know, there's nothing special in that, in, in, in who we are. We're just a, 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 just a clump of cells that, you know, that have some chemical reactions that somehow became, you know, able to have thought instead of seeing us as, as being special creations of God, a, really the pinnacle of his creation we, that we're seen as just being nothing and going back to nothing. And that's just not the truth. Yeah, I, I always look at, I look at our world today and you see people wanting to stand out. They, they change their names the way they spelled. They want to have unique spelling on their name. They, you see people with uh, red and pink and blue hair now you see people with unique tattoos all over them. People are trying to individualize themselves so that they stand out. They're unique, but in, in reality, you're already one of a kind. You don't have to do that. God created you the way he wanted to create you. It's just everybody wants to be unique and different, and this is who I am. This is who I feel I am. We've talked about it before. You can't go by feeling. <laughs> Because you can feel different tomorrow, you could feel different next year. And what we're talking about is, is a serious topic of removing parts of your body that God put there, mm. and once they're gone, how do you put them back? And we, we're seeing it over and over again that a young person will feel this way, they'll, they'll have the procedure down the road, they regret it, what do they do? Well, again, I mean, you're, what you're saying is very true, that... At some point, at some at some point, the person hits a point where they realize that they can't be what they what they're trying to be, and some come to realize that they made a mistake in even getting on the road. Some come to that understanding. Whether they come to a full understanding and knowledge of the truth is, you know, that's on an individual basis based on their relationship with the Lord, but. But many come to an understanding that they are on the wrong road, and they wish they hadn't have gotten on that road. And even the ones who don't come to that understanding, that understanding, they they come to the end of the of the situation, and there's nothing but emptiness. And so we've got all these people that are running around out there, more and more who are who are in these positions where they've tried to go down this road. And they're going to find the emptiness of it. And the sad, the sad ones to me are the ones that parents of young children are encouraging them 
to do these things and to even take, you know, blocker, puberty blockers in order to, to not become what, you know, the Lord has made them. And so that's the sad ones to me because they're, they're young enough that they can't even make those decisions in the right way. They don't, they don't fully understand. I, I couldn't, I don't know about you, Keith, but when I was 12, I was not in a position to make that type of decision. I wasn't even in, in the, I couldn't even make a decision to walk down the street and understand completely the implications of that, much less, you know, deciding to completely alter my physical body because I think that I'm something that the Lord has not made me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we're going to be dealing over the next several generations, we're going to be deal, dealing as the church, we're going to be deal, dealing with the fallout from this. And, you know, what Audrey Hale did, you know, hopefully is worst case scenario. I mean, that's hopefully the, you know, what we, you know, worst case scenario of what we see, but we're going to, for every Audrey Hale, there's going to be, you know, a dozen that are out there that are going to be in, you know, that are going to have the fallout from, or I say a dozen, for every Audrey Hale, there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands of those who have gone through this situation and and didn't get to that point but are you know their lives are basically destroyed and mm-hmm. and they need they need the love of Christ and so we need to be as a church we need to know how to answer this stuff we need to know how to deal with it i think it's going to the problems are going to become more even more profound as we move forward in this situation because some of the, the wickedness that men are thinking up i think i personally think we're going to look at Genesis six, and we're going to see, you know, the man, the thoughts of the man became continual, evil mm. continually. That idea that that evil pervades, and I think that that's where we're going. And I know that that you know, going back to our view of eschatology, I, I do believe that things are going from bad to worse, and I do think history repeats itself, if you will, because I I think that we are going back to the days of Noah and and there's going to be a, a righteous remnant. So it got to eight at that point. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, Christ himself said that. And so in the, in the days of Noah, so will the, son, the coming of the Son of Man. Wow. So the, here's, let's just sum it up with this. I hate to say who's to blame, but we blame guns. It's the gun's fault. But what we see in Scripture, and, and again, people would say, look, well, the Bible can't handle this kind of stuff, but we know, we know who's to blame. Because the Bible says the heart of the issue, you know, is the heart. Yeah, Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? And and so I, it's it's easy it's easy for you know President Biden to blame guns. It's easy to say it's you know whatever legislation it needs to be, you know, that we need to pass or whatever legislation that was passed. It's easy to blame those kind of things. It's easy to say. It's, you know, it's how, you know, it's this organization that, that did this thing that put me in that position, or it's my mom and my dad and how they raised me and all that. Uh, no doubt that there are shaping factors that people deal with, but ultimately it comes down to the heart, and it's the heart of man, and it always has been since the, since the fall, since the, the garden. It always has been that, that man has fallen, and that 
he is sinful above you know sinful and and the only thing that restrains his sin is by is god's is god's common grace his his the grace that that restrains and allows us to live because i think you know the murder you know cain was a murderer right and you know so you have uh cain and abel right out of the right outside the garden you know and and you have cain murdering abel and I think that the only thing that restrains that from happening and getting and and being worse than it is than it is right now is that God restrains that evil, and I think what's happening in our society and we when you when you have young women, I mean let's put it this way, ninety nine percent of people that pull off these kind of things are young men and men, right? We have a situation where it's a woman that's done done this. I mean, a twenty eight year old woman. She should be, she should be, she should be married. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know. I, I know this is going to sound sexist, but she should be married. She should be thinking about having kids and a family, and she should be, she should be attending a wedding shower this this in a, or a baby shower, or she should be doing those kind of things. And yet here she is in the grave because she decided to go and kill a bunch of people because she couldn't have, you know, what she wanted. And that's just horrible. And, and, and that's where we're at. And it's because, and it's because of the unrestrained sin. Mm -hmm. I say unrestrained. I I would still say the sin is restrained to a certain point because I think that man's capability of, of evil is, uh, is quite great. Our hearts and our prayers go out at school and the church and the families of those uh, young nine-year-old, two girls and a boy, and the uh, and the faculty, the three adults that were also taken out, and Audrey's parents as well. It's a bad situation, and it's it's sad. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, and that doesn't change. That's why God's Word is so powerful. Yeah, it's interesting. John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said... Jesus said, in the world you will have, you have tribulation, you have tribulation. And I think, obviously, biblically, it's because of the sin. It's because of sin. It's because of man's fallenness that we have that, we have that tribulation. And, uh, but then he says, you know, he goes on to say, but I've overcome the world. And it's in Christ that we overcome these things. And, and so, I'm I'm so thankful that we are we have the answer that that he's he hasn't left us uh, not knowing not being able to know because because he has given us the answer in the gospel. Audrey Hale is a real person, right? I mean she's she's she exists today. She didn't cease to exist. She's know. in eternity. She's in eternity, and and there are other Audrey Hales walking around mm-hmm. right now. You know, you and I may know some of them. You know, my wife and I spent some time have over this past several years because of our kids, you know, being, you know, involved in in a couple of different Christian schools. And, you know, that it would just, it grieves my heart to think that there are, you know, those kind of situations walking around of people that I've known and that, that have been, you know, had contact with me. And, you know, did I lose an opportunity to be able to speak into their lives? And I know I'm not the only one. I know that there are others. And so 
that have had those opportunities, but we need to pray for, you know, these schools. We need to pray for these churches, including our church, that we would be able to speak truth into the lives of these young people. And, and you know, if I'm a church member and I'm wondering what I can do, well, I mean, the truth is, is that you, you have to love these young folks. I mean, they're, they're, they're in this, they, they may not have, you know, Audrey obviously has got, had gotten to a point in the spiral of, you know, getting to be able to be capable of doing what she did. Um, but there are others and, you know, that are in those in various stages of that spiral that, you know, it may, it may just take, you know, you coming alongside and, and putting an arm around them and telling them that, that, that there is a savior, that, that he did die for, and that they do matter. They matter to him and, you know, that they, they need to, to repent and, and turn. Well, I just wanted to really end with um, a quote from Al Mohler, which I thought was really, and Al Mohler has done a good job over the past several years of, of speaking to the cultural issues. And, and he, he wrote an article uh, about this particular issue. And he, he ended it, this article with a quote that I wanted to share. He writes, but Christians know that the real urgency is six grieving families in Nashville. Christian moms and dads with brothers and sisters are living a pain no one else would dare to understand. In Nashville, there is a wounded community and a congregation that has experienced unspeakable loss. A Presbyterian pastor with his wife and their children are experiencing the death of their little daughter and beloved sister. Jesus did tell his disciples that those who follow him would face trouble in this world. Big trouble. Heartbreaking trouble. Mind-bending trouble. But we must remember that Jesus went on to say, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Sometimes remembering that promise is all that will get us through, Mm. end quote. That's a good way to end it. Yes, and it's all we really need. Yeah, amen. This has been Fresh Bread, podcast of Grace Bible Church, and we just wanted to take a time out from eschatology and, and discuss what happened on Monday. And so we appreciate you guys listening, and thanks.